We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. We who believe in freedom. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. Seattle's been cloudy. I mean, you know, the sun is always shining above the clouds, so we have to remember that. Did you have a good weekend, uh, uh, Eric? Yes, well, I, I y- yes, I did. And uh, I just saw that our guest was joining us here. So I was uh, trying to <laughs> get uh, them admitted into the Zoom call for today. But yes, a great weekend. How about yourself? Oh, I did. I did. I did. I did. I'm staying safe. So I didn't go out much, but uh, I, I had a good I had a good time at home. Sometimes you can have a good time at home. You know that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So who do we have in the waiting room? Well, it looks like your guest, Representative Johnson, is there. Just okay. Mute, so. All right. Hello. This is cool. Hello. Oh, hi, Representative Johnson. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Well, I'm good today. Any day that you're not in the hospital on a respirator is a good day. So uh, it's a lot Amen. of people. <laughs> and our lungs are working properly. It's a good day. So thank you so much uh, for coming on. I know you're really busy. So uh, again, I, I, again, I want I, I want to introduce you properly. This is Representative uh, Jesse Johnson uh, from down in the, the uh, Federal Way area, uh, and he's uh, uh, he's a uh, chair of the uh, Black Caucus. Is that correct? Vice chair, but yes. Um, okay, vice chair. <laughs> Repres- Representative Taylor, my seatmate, is chair. But righty, and, and and you are a recipient of our first. Uh, Thurgood Marshall Justice Award, uh, the Black Caucus was for last year, all the good work you all did, and you're starting out already again. And I know you don't have much time to be with us because I know you got to get back getting busy. So anyway, I just wanted you to come on and give us an update and just say Happy New Year to you and your family. And I know you got a little one. Don't you have a little one? I do. I have a five-month-old. Oh, a real little one. Oh, okay. Are you, are, you, uh, are you sleeping through the night or are you still getting up? Still getting up. He's uh he's doing better though at sleeping. Oh yeah, well you know it's kind of lonely, you know. I mean, just think where he's been, and then just five months out of that, you know, out of that, they're still lonely. So it takes a while and lonely, but after a while, he won't be lonely anymore. He he still hears his mother's uh, heartbeat, and then gets so in love with his father until that he'll be jumping to see you when you come home. <laughs> won't be long. All right. So what's going on in Olympia? And so if you could give us an update and how we can help and what 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 the concerned citizens need to be involved with and knowing about. Yeah, I mean, it has been a, already a busy session. We've had a House floor vote on the Washington CARES Act. Um, we have uh, some important legislation to follow up the police reform legislation from last year, which I'll get into. Uh, a lot around uh, different crimes that are occurring. Um, you know, we, we definitely have some work in the economic space, particularly the cannabis industry. There's a lot of work happening there. Then education is just, I mean, there's so much legislation on education and public health this year, um, obviously with the pandemic. So that's that's kind of the, the full detail of, of issues there. Um, just on the stuff that I particularly know, I mean, I'm vice chair of public safety. So um, that has been, a, you know, a good start to the session. We, um, last year, as, as a lot of folks probably know, we um, passed a lot of historic legislation around police tactics, banning um, things like no-knock warrants and tear gas and chokeholds. 
and putting accountability measures in place like the Independent Office of Investigations and uh, data and transparency. Um, the House Bill 1310 around the use of force and making sure that there's less lethal enforcement in the law, de-escalation, um, that sort of thing. And this year, you know, obviously in the interim, we heard a lot about the police pushback and some community pushback to the bills. And so I think, you know, a lot of our work this year is trying to fine tune the bills from last year and, and strike a good balance um, from reducing police violence and creating accountability, which we want, but also not, you know, effectively um, making it more challenging for police to do their job. So uh, we're considering some legislation to restore law enforcement's ability to use force during a Terry stop or uh, investigative detention if somebody flees that that detention. Um, House Bill 2037, so we're considering that. Also restoring their ability to pursue vehicles like stolen vehicles and that sort of thing. So um, those two bills are doing that. Um, and then we're also clarifying legislation on 1310 to make sure police can show up to severe mental health crises like um, um, involuntary treatment act, uh, commitments, that sort of thing. So those are the three bills that we're working on in public safety. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're really looking at just the wide array of issues that our community is facing from um, kids going to school in a pandemic and, and not having the amount of teachers that we need. So we're looking at some incentives to um, have more teachers and educators in the schools, uh, bringing back folks that are retired from the profession to come back in and teach, but getting hazard pay, getting um, more funding and pay equity to do that. And also um, making it easier on families. I've co-sponsored a bill to uh, provide a diaper subsidy for families that have a young one like myself um, mm -hmm. so that they don't have to pay for diapers. Um, you know, also making, uh, expanding the working families tax credit. So if working families get more funding during their, their tax returns. So a lot of the things we're doing is trying to help, you know, families during the pandemic as well. And then of course, help our frontline first responders like hospital staff, nurses, um, you know, putting more cash in, in their pockets uh, because of the dangerous work they do during the pandemic. Okay. I want to go back to the public safety bills because 2013, what would it restore? I mean, uh, what, what uh, is this the one where they want to be able to pursue people that might be fleeing? That's correct. So uh, 2037 is the bill number from Rep Goodman, and it will allow police to use uh, reasonable force to prevent someone from fleeing a Terry stop or temporary detention where police are investigating based on reasonable suspicion. Uh, so that's what that would build. And then 1788 would restore their ability to pursue vehicles beyond serious crimes. So like stolen vehicles, um, you know, assault, uh, you know, different crimes that um, are not considered serious violent crimes, but are still crimes. Well, I mean, <clears throat> did the bills last year take all those, uh, take those possibilities away? I mean, from when I heard that some of the, uh, the, this is the first time in years that this, a, a, a police shootings had gone down uh, in the state of Washington. So, uh, so it looked like to me that that some of the some of the bills, some of what happened last year, did save lives as way uh, police uh, maybe had to rethink the way that they uh, do business and and uh, and stuff like that. So uh, I knew it was going to be a pushback, but I'm really concerned that this is going to take us back to where we was, you know, post, uh, 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 you know pre-George Floyd and mm -hmm. also the other shootings in the state. 
Yeah, we've had a huge uh, positive impact from reform from last year. Like you said, 60% less people killed at the hands of police. Um, we've also been in the middle of, of, you know, a time when every single crime is on the rise right now, unfortunately. And I think a lot of the work that we did was kind of in the middle of that kind of perfect storm of the, the pandemic increased socioeconomic related crime, theft, assault, uh, domestic violence are all on the rise right now. So we're trying to also make sure that people in the community feel safe. Um, and so, you know, for me, I think the, the biggest thing is striking a balance of making sure that we continue this great work around reform, but also bringing the entire community along. And what I heard all interim, um, just being honest, was that these bills had a negative impact on crime and caused more crime. Um, we're, we're one of only, we're actually the only state in the country. So the other 49 states have the ability to use a Terry stop and use force based on the Terry stop. So we took that away in 1310, which was intentional because we thought Terry stops was one of the, one of the reasons we see with mistaken identity where a lot of black and brown people are, are identified, um, based on a light description and, um, you know, police go after them. But we were the only state in the country to make probable cause the first threshold to use force. And so that's what would be, we'd essentially be taking back to what the other 49 states have. Um, but we still would, what we have instead would be had the reasonable care standard. We'd still have all these other mechanisms that prevent unnecessary force in place that the states don't have. So in my mind, it's kind of like taking three steps uh, forward to go one step back, but you're still two steps forward. Yeah, I know because Seattle has just now will not be stopping people for some of those so-called pretext stops anymore. I mean, um, outdated mm -hmm. uh, cabs and not making a turn and not putting a signal on. And, and some of those are always signals that and police minds that that might that person might have something else going on. And so they would that's a pre-stop. I mean, that that would be one of those uh, reasons why a person can get stopped if the cabs are done and stuff like that. And a person with with uh, with uh, expired tab may or may not be a criminal, or may or may not be driving with suspended license, or may or may not. Well, when you do when when they key the be key the uh, license plate, they don't know if they have a warrant or not. So I'm just concerned about how this is might might be going to go back to might take us back uh, where we came from. But uh, I know that there's going to be some negotiation. Uh, but also, I, I'm kind of. I, I think I think the, the one about the mental health issue is very important because um, I know that uh, I know in some municipalities uh, the police have not not been willing to uh, actually be involved uh, and I really that was really a concern because sometimes social workers are there but they cannot apprehend someone uh, in, in a good way uh, who might be having a mental health crisis so anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. And and also, I, I would hope that they would have some more tools to be able to have. Seattle is considering the bullet wrap. So if somebody does have an edge, a, a wedge, a weapon, that the wrap can be used to actually be able to uh, de-escalate the scene so that the person can be taken to the hospital for evaluation. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think that's that's what we want. We want officers to respond and secure the scene um, without obviously using uh, excessive force, but get the scene under control um, for the mental health professionals to then come in behind them. And a lot of them won't go into the scene without the officer there. That's so, right. That's yeah. Right. yeah. Right. 
but but you know crime is escalating all over the country and uh, even in the states that might have terrorist stop and be able to stop crime is escalating everywhere i mean i think it's a I think it's just, like you said a perfect storm. I mean, you've got uh, the pandemic, uh, and you got people tired of being told what to do, and so, uh, and then like I said, domestic violence is going up. But also, uh, that just people they don't have a lot to do, and a lot of times people are bored. And some of the violence and crime is happening because just because maybe people don't have anything else to do. I think I think we have to really look at crime and find out why. Uh, violent crime is going up. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of reasons. And uh, of course, none of us have lived through a pandemic before our ancestors did. That's why we're here. <laughs> but so, yeah, right. so anyway, I, don't, I know you, you don't have much more time. So um, is there anything else you want us to know about that how, you know, because I mean, we want to, we want to make sure that our, uh, that the community is informed about what's happening, because they feel on some levels that we're losing ground now. And we know that the police really is the most organized force in America, yeah. uh, and uh, and also they 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 the ones who never want to change. We pay them. See, they're not public servants; they're public employees, because you don't have no police force in America that's volunteer, but you do have fire departments that are volunteer. So these are these are our employees, and it seems to me, after almost thirty years doing this work, all these years, that some place they ought to want to want to be able to give up something and to change. And it seems to me that no matter what happens, they come back around, have the power and be able to stay as they are while everybody else has to change. So I'm just, you know, it's, it's a generation now of doing this work and a generation mm-hmm. of them coming back, never wanting to change. Yeah. I, I, uh, one, one of my, I appreciate what you said. And one of my uh, mentors always told me like the thing that about policy is, you know, even when you get it passed, the next step is that you have to show up tomorrow and continue the work. And I think after we got, I mean, it took so much work in the community. It took all the people protesting in the streets and, and all of that momentum to get the bills passed. And then you got to keep up the momentum against the police pushing back. And, you know, I, I just think, uh, I think a large part of the community overall is not ready for some of the reforms that we passed. So I think that's why going back is ultimately what we have to do in some of those spaces because you know we just can't convince um, people that when crimes on the rise that police are not the answer to it. Even though I personally don't believe they're the answer to it at all, <laughs> um, I, I, I believe in reimagining the whole public safety structure. But I think also, you know, we have to bring people along. And, and the vast majority of communication I received in the interim was that you know we needed to go back on some things, and so. Um, you know, that, that's what we're working on without losing the, the true uh, core of the work that we passed. Well, I'll just say so. I'll just say this uh, in, in response to those people that these are the same people who, if you go back in time, they didn't even want us to have freedom. I mean, I really there, there's a direct correlation between the past and the present. Uh, and uh, we know that also we know that COINTEL has been possible in our communities. So we don't know how crime is escalating. We don't know how guns are getting to the streets. It seems to me that we should figure out where the guns are coming from and actually do something about that. So, I mean, we have been victims of COINTEL ever since uh, J. Edgar Hoover brought down uh, Marcus Garvey. So in our community, we have to understand COINTEL that is there and it happens uh, happening readily. You did a fine job down in Olympia, you and your family and, uh, and Ms. Uh, Ms. Uh, Taylor. I appreciate your work you're doing. 
And you know what? You know what? You know what bothers me right now is I haven't been able to get to campus. I'm a person who's always I used to be on campus all the time. I love that drive to Seattle to Olympia. I'm one of those, <laughs> and I can't get to campus because of because of the um, pandemic. So hey, soon as the pandemic is over, I intend to come to campus. I love being down at the Capitol. <laughs> I really do. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see you down there as well. Yeah, God, thank you. You take care and thank you so much for coming on the Mother's Justice Show. I know you got to get back to work. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. All right, thank you. You listen to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 KKNW. I'm your host, Rem Walden. We'll be right back. Market Street Shoes is happy to sponsor the Mother's Justice Show in honor of our mother, Jackie Higgins Rosebrook, who spent her life fighting for social justice and also in honor of all mothers who fight for social justice. Market Street Shoes, fashionable footwear and apparel for life's everyday adventures in the heart of Ballard since 2006. Visit MarketStreetShoes.com. Every two minutes, a child becomes a victim of sex trafficking in the U.S. It's happening right now. Don't turn off the radio or change the channel. Don't cover your kids' ears, no matter how much you want to ignore it. Child trafficking is real. In fact, it's happening in your town. And you know what our greatest weapon against child trafficking is? It's our children. It's time to act with PACT. That's Partners Against Child Trafficking. PACT works to teach students how to identify the warning signs of child trafficking so they can help other vulnerable kids around them. PACT student ambassadors receive in-depth training on the issue and design a project to raise awareness, reduce victimization, and disrupt demand. Visit PACT.city to start donating today. That's P-A-C-T C-I-T-Y. And for as little as $5 a month, you can help end child exploitation. Hi, this is Dr. K. Mahina Intron, inviting you to tune in on Mondays on 1150 KKNW at 5 p.m. to Dr. K's Attuning to Your Abundance, where we honor everyday abundance through positive messages, poetry, music, affirmations, and writing exercises. For more information, contact drkworkshops at gmail.com or Facebook, Dr. K's Abundance. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk, 1150. Let it lay, let it lay, let it lay. Wow! Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM. KKNW, I'm your host from Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. I want to thank everyone for the, uh, for, for the contributions and supporting mothers and our website is mothers it's somothersforpoliceaccountability.org and thank you so much for your support i'm going to bring on my next guest now it's marla beaver uh she's the daughter of the late Fitzgerald beaver and we're going to do a, a tribute to him uh, and talk about him today so how you doing miss beaver hi i'm doing good thank you for having me well thank you for saying yes 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 and uh well, let's just have a conversation about your wonderful father. 
and let's tell the world who he, uh, who he was and uh, starting out uh, with, with all he did in Seattle. So uh, so let's just, just, just hop to it. Let's talk about your father, Mr. Beaver, because I have some wonderful things I want to add in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, my dad was... Um... He was basically from Martinsville, Virginia, and he came here in 61. He came to Seattle for um, to do a radio show and mm -hmm. started a radio show and came here. And so the question is, well, what made him start the fact? So that's a question that I can't clearly, clearly answer, but he seemed fit to have a good newspaper going. So he... Uh, started the paper in 61 and um he 61 to 92 is when he passed and so uh he is uh he was a trendsetter he was a godfather he hired other uh that came in and helped him and along the way of my years of there i've seen people come in and you know, they try to break off. They start newspapers and things. So he uh, has, um, he's a community uh, leader, um, a family man, husband, a father. And he um, he started the facts and he had um, the uh, Martin Luther King and Cherry is uh where the facts home was. Uh, when I was a little girl, it started out and it was the eager beaver doggy dine out he had there. And <laughs> his office was there on 28th and Cherry and right. next, to, next to the Gray's real estate, they owned that building. And we lived in a house next door um, from there. So we did all our layout in the garage back then. It was cut and paste. So, um, yeah, my dad uh, worked with um, uh, Bernie Foster, worked with him, um, which start, went to Portland and started the scanner. And uh, Chris Bennett, who is here in Seattle with the Seattle Medium. And um, uh, it was a bunch of others that came along that has newspaper magazine. But yeah, he was... Uh, 1922 to 1992 and he just we just celebrated his birthday on the 18th of January and um, yeah so he was a community leader he was a trailblazer icon he was a man with many hats himself and he really well known in the Seattle area well I tell you I I read some of the tributes that uh, you and your brother wrote uh, about him uh, uh, on Facebook and um, how I came to know Mr. Beaver uh, and then uh, you know the facts newspaper we moved to in 1975 from Santa Barbara California my former husband had just finished Books Institute and uh, we moved to Seattle to start a business to start a photography studio and I don't know how uh, I don't know how James met Mr. Beaver but I do know that uh, he uh, he set us up in business at, uh, at Turner and 23rd Avenue. Uh, we just opened up the first year Salisbury Beaver Photography, and I, would, I we had four children. So, and uh, Omai, my youngest, was a baby. He was six months old when we moved to Seattle. So, um, so anyway, uh, we had that business, and um, and we missed the we missed the phone book. I, I, um, 
ad uh, in the phone book in 19, I think it was 1976, we missed the phone book ad. And so uh, then you have to wait a whole year. And so when people would come in, I would say, I always I would tell your friends about us. I mean, because we didn't have any way to advertise, but then we would advertise in the fax newspaper. Uh, and, and, and also with KYAC, when they had someone coming to, to Seattle, uh, we would do the photography for KYAC. And then that would wind up probably being in your newspaper. Uh, advertising who was coming to town. And so uh, Mr. Beaver uh, was generous. Uh, he was full of uh, uh, kindness. And uh, he set us up in business. I mean, Salisbury photography would not have happened in Seattle, Washington without your father. And um, I'm eternally grateful for what his generosity did for us as a family. And then the next year, uh, he said, oh, take my name off that business. He said, you have, you are, you got four small children. Uh, you're not making enough money to pay me back alone <laughs> and feed your family. He said, so, hey, I'd rather you feed your family. And he said, don't ever worry about uh, uh, paying me back a penny. That's the kind yes. of father you have. Uh, I mean, to do this for people he did not know, we had just got to Seattle. And I, again, I don't know Exactly. I mean, I guess it's a picture of uh, James doing some work over there at, at the fact, uh, a newspaper for Mr. Beaver. So I don't know how they met, and because uh, I, I don't know that piece, but I will always celebrate his generosity. And I, I, I too sometimes want to. I want to be that generous to be able to be able to help people that way, and uh, and not uh, be looking for something back in return. And that's what sets him aside. I, I set him. Uh, above a lot of other people is that uh, he wasn't looking for anything in return. He wanted you to do a good job. He wanted you right. to be excellent. <laughs> right. Well, I definitely be proud of you. Hmm? I definitely learned a lot from him. You know, he used to come and get me, come looking for me when it was his time to take lunch. Uh, it was my time to get out of school, and he definitely come looking for me. So those days that I thought I would hang around with friends, and then they'd be like. There go your dad, you know, and I go on. I would know he's looking for me. It's time for him to go to lunch. So he's taught me, um, you know, he gave me the option to come in and learn the business. And I'm glad I did because his health had started failing him. And so me and my uh, siblings and my mother, you know, we came in together with the employees that were there at the time and, you know, kept it going. And so to this day, I always say that uh, many years um, after he was here, I still continue to work for him, you know. Uh, times change, so as times change, I kind of like linked it in on the things that he showed me and taught me. And I know he was, I hear lots of stories from people um, talk about what all he's, the, the words that he may have said to them, the, 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 um, the, generous things that he's done to give them help along the way. And I've heard people say, without your dad, I wouldn't have been in business. I've heard a lot of good things about him. So, you know, it's what I try to do is what I do is I get from him is the, you know, the integrity that he had was a businessman and try to carry through and do right by people and do right for people and do what I can do. for people. So that's, I get a lot of that from him. And I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all the acknowledgement that, you know, wants to be done in return. 
And um, I remember the Salisbury's. I remember when I was a little girl, I there's pictures in our office right now of me of my dad and Mr. Salisbury took those pictures. I can remember vaguely the studio and all of that. So I do remember you and your family and um, I appreciate it. I appreciate it all. Well, yeah, and, and thank you for that. Because sometimes what we don't always do, but we're getting better is acknowledge the bridge that brought us across. Because see, we had we have had many bridges uh, in our existence in America and even more so after the end of slavery and uh, people who actually have done good things for us. I mean, we would not made it. We wouldn't be who we are today if somebody has not decided to take a liking to you, decided right. to say, mm, I see something in you. I mean, I, I mean, I can help you. I mean, because that's how we've made it in America is because we was locked out so much. I mean, your, your father actually, you know, I, I tell I tell people the only difference between my children and the only difference between Chikendi with a computer with a, a, a computer science degree uh, is a capital between him and Bill Gates. The only, the only difference is capital. The only difference between Omai and Ted Turner is capital. And so the only difference between your father and the facts newspaper and the Seattle Times was capital. I mean, because some people have more money, but he had a drive and he didn't let capital not having what the world say you have to have to keep him from doing anything. I mean, and that's who we've always been. We've always had to find that other way to get to where we want to go because sometimes people wasn't even selling us gas to go in our car. <laughs> so we had to figure out how to do this. And uh, and your dad figured out he was, uh, you know, I mean, and I can remember some, I mean, I was trying to think of some of the names of the people who used to work for the paper. I mean, uh, you had a guy that did the sports for a long, long time, trying to think of his name. So, uh, Dave Mann. That's right. That's right. Dave that's Mann. Right. Dave Mann. He wrote the sports. <laughs> Played for the Seattle Rainiers baseball. Okay. And he was the right hand. He was my dad's right hand man for many, many years. And he was my, he's my brother's godfather. Just lost Dave about two years back. Right. But yeah, um, there was a, I, I actually was sitting down writing down some of the, the uh, people that worked facts of my years there and that made a great big impact in our life, you know. And um, my dad would always get someone and he'd always have that right hand first, that right hand and a left hand, you know. But yeah, he was a, he was a wonderful guy and I just, I, I, I'm so honored to be able to say that he was my dad and continue to do everything that I could possibly do to uh, keep the facts going. I mean, there's days and it's not easy. There's days that I don't know. And there's days that, you know, but I just get up and I continue to shuffle my hats around and do the jobs that are here for me to do. And now, what was the lady's name that did the church scene? I mean, you had a lady that did the church, uh, talked about all the churches at one time. Hey, I mean, May, May Campbell. May Campbell. That's right. That she, was used our, wear, she used to wear she nice our, Go ahead. Yes. She was our church editor. She was our church editor for many, many years. And she would visit the churches and bring in the church news and, um, you know, and give them all the information on how to get in their revivals and different things. So, you know, that's kind of 
but the facts have stayed on community news um, right, all community these years. News. Yeah. Yeah, she also wore, wore colorful hats, didn't she? Wasn't yeah, she, she wore little... lots of colors. <laughs> I remember lots her hats. I remember mm -hmm. her hat that she would wear. Yes. Very nice hat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you've, uh, you you continue to do good work and um and I, I hope that someday you all gonna you know, maybe uh, do a documentary or something about your dad, you know, I mean with all with all all the you know, all the all all the you know, all the clips and all the things that you all have. I mean, just to do something and get it on film, you know, about your dad would be wonderful. So uh, Yes, I have a lot of people. A lot of people want to help with that, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, they do. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I know you don't have much time because Monday is busy. So so if you had two Paramount stories you want to tell about your dad, you know, what was his favorite food? I mean, who was his favorite? I mean, you know, I'm just teasing about who was his favorite. But, you know, so, so, what, so what would you so, want to about Mr. Beaver that we don't know? <laughs> well, um, there's a whole lot of things that I could actually sit here and talk about my dad and go on and on and on. My, my dad was an avid golfer. He would pick up that golf club and we would travel um, everywhere down the California and different places. And he would uh, play. He loved golf, loved golf. He owned a golf cart. He had a, uh, he used to drive his golf cart through the, the central area. So all the kids would remember my dad is driving this golf cart, you know, and it really wasn't legal, but they came to a, a point where they knew my dad was an amputee. And so, he was an amputee and he had one leg. And so he would drive that golf cart from the office to the house and to the store. And, you know, the police would be, Mr. Beaver, you know, you're not supposed to. So then after a while, they would just not even say anything to him because they, <laughs> oh, that's just Mr. Beaver. You know, they used his golf cart as his wheelchair, like, you know. Okay. And so, yeah. So he, he, he was a, a very fun person. And like I say, I could be out there on a Wednesday with delivery and you get all these different stories of people telling you how uh, he helped me with, you know, he'd always say, bring the money back, sell the papers, bring the money back. And then when they come back, he would just, okay, you can have it, you know, but he would make sure he switch it up a little bit sometime, but always letting them be the winner, you know, and he was, he was the biggest winner, you know, and um, he was a very flamboyant type of person. He liked the colors, you know, he would get his golf pants made to match with my with my brother. My brother and him would go out on the golf course, and they would have these pants that might be patched up. And so he was a real different. And when I tell you that he wore many hats of coming up with different things, he put his brain to work to come up with things that even I was looking at our layout tables when they first, when I was a little girl, I used to look at the layout tables and I look at, um, I was looking online just to see if I could get something close to give people an eye of what it was. And my dad actually would get somebody and say, I can make that myself. Just like when he had that truck and he was going to sell it and someone gave him an offer. And he said, before I sell that truck for that price, I will put that on my roof. And yeah, I remember being on the roof. <laughs> he did just that. He put that truck up on that roof. And everybody's looking around like, what is he doing, you know? But it was a good advertisement, you know? So everybody remembered Martin Luther King and Cherry, where the facts was there with the truck on top of the roof, 
you know. Right, I remember um, that. Yeah, you know, that was and, his international. At one time, it was a delivery truck, and then it was his truck that he actually latched his golf cart trailer up and go back and forth to the golf course. So he was a very loving dad. There's nothing I could. There's nothing I could ask for um, than to have a better father as he was. The the upbringing that I had, I. I was asked one time to write a picture 10 years back, this was a long time ago, of my uh, bringing up my childhood. And and in this setting, it was uh, supposed to be like, you know, um, like bad, you know. And I could not think of anything. So my picture was just like a lovely picture of a family and, you know, house with the you know, mom and dad and this and that. And I said, you know, anything that I had, uh, was dealing with at that time, it really made me see the upbringing of my parents, of what they did, and didn't ask for anything better, you know. I really wish my dad was here around to see his grandkids because he would be so happy. He just loved, he loved kids. You know? Yes. yes and, I, and I hear it from a lot of people that I didn't even know. Like, I could put him on Facebook first birthday or something and I'll get these comments that are like wow you knew my dad you, you know my dad and you know, your dad always said inspiring things to me you know so he 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 gave a lot of people something to take with them yes 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 isn't that wonderful though to come up in that environment and see some you know some of us has had good parenting and you know everybody I mean there's a narrative out there about black people and parenting and stuff like that but some of us have had good parenting, and uh, you know, and I know from fact just being around your family that uh, that you come from a family that that really was doing the best that they could, and, and offering offering so much hospitality, generosity of spirit, and money to people who was less fortunate uh, in them, and uh, and so that's that's the story that I'll always have about Mr. Beaver uh, and his family. And now, now, how many children do you have? I have one. I have a son and he's 17 okay. and and he unfortunately didn't get to meet my dad. But when I tell you there's not an instruction manual to being a parent. No, but, it's not. <laughs> but when I tell you that whatever I got from my parents, I try to offer to my son and try to, you know, just do the right thing. And when I tell you that raising him. I can't even say that I raised him because he is so on it himself. You know, it's like, did you, did, did my dad talk to you? Did, do you know, did, you know, did he come along and say some of these things for you to do? Because he actually does what he's supposed to do. And he's always been an old soul. So, you know, he, <laughs> I, I, he seems so serious at times, but, he really does do what he's supposed to do, and I. Is he a I, Capricorn? Is he a no, Capricorn? He, he, he's a Libra. He's a Libra. Because <laughs> I was going to say, if he's a Capricorn, you know, he's a good daddy. Was a Capricorn, you know, they always give him. You want a job done, give it to a Cappy. <laughs> yeah, and I and I can say good things about Capricorns, but yeah, I have one son, and then I have um, I have uh two nieces. Well, I have four. It's four nieces, and um couple let's see about three nephews but from our immediate um my, through my mom and dad and so um I have a niece that is she writes for the paper now and, and she has a column it's called 
wow by Shar. It's okay. words of words of wisdom. Okay. And okay. um she writes for the paper and then I have um another niece, her sister, and they both did uh UW pool rides at UW. So my brother has three kids and two okay. of those are his daughters. And then he we also have um my son has his cousin Mr. And his name, my son is named after my dad. Mr. Okay. Red Beaver Ford, which is his mm -hmm. dad's last name. And then my nephew is Mr. Fitzgerald Beaver. And <laughs> he is six months behind my son. And they both are at Garfield, 11th okay. graders. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they got two. Well, you know, this lineage, this line is going on and on and on. This is wonderful. Mr. Beaver is absolutely one thing about the ancestors, they're not far away from us. I mean, uh, when if we listening with our heart and our soul and our mind, sometimes we can hear we can hear their words, we can hear something from them. So they might be beyond view, but they are not gone totally from our lives. And so it no. sounds to me like he's uh, that he's uh, uh, he's still moving and moving in your life uh, with your family. So this is wonderful. And I'm so glad that you had the time to um, to come on and to be able to talk to us about Mr. Beaver and I can say he'll always have a place in my heart, uh, in my family, because I want to always be kind and generous to people and also remember people who open doors for me. You know. Well, thank you. And I thank you so kindly for having me on. You're welcome. And, thank you. And remembering my dad like that. It means okay. a lot. I'm going to see if Mr. Rye can come on next because I've got to get him to see if he, because he has some stories he want to talk about, uh, about, uh, about your dad. So I'm going to see if I can get him on and while I'm on the break. So if you go, okay. we'll continue this. Thank you so much. Okay. We're going to take okay. Thank you. You're welcome. You take, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Rob Walden. Thank you. Market Street Shoes is happy to sponsor the Mother's Justice Show in honor of our mother, Jackie Higgins Rosebrook, who spent her life fighting for social justice and also in honor of all mothers who fight for social justice. Market Street Shoes, fashionable footwear and apparel for life's everyday adventures in the heart of Ballard since 2006. Visit MarketStreetShoes.com. You pledged your life to serve, to make our country stronger, safer, more free, more equal. You worked tirelessly, made sacrifices, missed first steps and birthdays, lost loved ones. At VA, we don't see the setbacks endured. We see lessons applied and passion driving you upward and forward. We don't see all the masks you wear, but we hope you can set some aside. We embrace your uniqueness and won't trivialize your past, your fears, or your hardships. We can't promise to heal all wounds or wash away all trauma, but we do see hope, a path forward, a future. We see all veterans. We see you, an opportunity to help you achieve a new mission, whatever that may be. Learn how treatment works and recovery is possible. Visit maketheconnection.net. We are the physicians, the nurses, the hospital and health system leaders. All we ask of you is to take three simple steps proven to stop the spread of COVID. Wear a cloth face mask, maintain social distance, and wash your hands. 
Scientific evidence must shape our decisions, dictate our actions, and protect our health. We are not powerless. Together, we will defeat COVID. This has been a message from the American Hospital Association, the American Medical Association, and the American Nurses Association. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. We're going to bring on Mr. Rye now. He's going to give an update. He's actually going to contribute uh, to, uh, to about Mr. Beaver. Welcome, Mr. Rye. Thank you very much, Reverend Harry. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been around Seattle longer than me, so I know you got some sweet. I know uh, Marley's going to be listening. Uh, she's listening on, uh, on, uh, on, uh, on, uh, on, on the radio. So, so what would you want to tell Marla about her dad? Well, first of all, I tell Marla that I knew her dad before she did. <laughs> <laughs> I am that old. So, uh, But uh, there are a couple of things that, that come to my attention right away. Is like uh, the number of people that went through the Facts newspaper that be- became owners and publishers of other newspapers, like Chris, B- uh, Chris H. Bennett, Seattle Medium, Bernie Foster, the Portland Scanner, and Charlie James, who also had the African American uh, Journal, so and all of those guys at one point in time worked with and for uh, Mr. Beaver. And in that office, in those days, in those sixties and early seventies, everybody was Mister, Mister Bennett, <laughs> Mister Foster, <laughs> Mister Beaver. Okay, so uh, and then another thing that um, happened, he would be he's really on top of stuff, and I really did appreciate the comments about Miss May Campbell because she was. She was stellar along with Dave, man. Yeah. They were the pillars. They were really the pillars. Uh, but then, you know, on the community stuff, uh, I know that when we were in the process of uh, changing the name of the fight, having to fight to change the name of the street, uh, you could count on something being on the front page of the facts every week. Uh, Mr. Fitzgerald Beaver was intricately involved in supporting that. He could see right through the racism. And uh, as a matter of fact, he started telling some people, well, you know, if they're not advertising the facts, they're not on the right foot anyway. And then when uh, he started republishing some of the hate mail that I received, I, I gave him, kept him apprised of everything that was going on. As a matter, matter of fact, uh, some of the folks, and uh, I think he, he got some death threats as well. And I know uh, John Mathis and Bob Lamb of the U.S. Justice Department interviewed him, yeah. me, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and some other people because people were just, they were off the chain behind uh, having a street name for for uh, Martin Luther King Jr., but uh, Mr. Fitzgerald Beaver was a staunch advocate. Uh, so he would have something in the paper. I mean, every week, and uh, would challenge others to do do the right thing. So, uh, like I said, you know, he was a springboard for uh, young uh, young publishers, open the door for them. And then, you know, uh, I've done some work. Uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, Marla mentioned Chardonnay Beaver, Dennis, Dennis's daughter. Uh, she's been involved with the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. She's an outstanding writer. Uh, we've had her and her sister, who's down in Los Angeles right now. Uh, I guess she's uh, doing uh, in the film industry down there. So, uh, you know, uh, it seems like everybody, uh, all the Fitzgerald Beaver, Beaver offsprings are doing, uh, his lineage is doing real well. And, uh, 
you know, he is, was a, a pillar in the community. You know, the story about putting the car on the roof. I mean, that was, that was you know, he had some very unique things. Uh, and uh, he had an insight to, to the sporting world through Dave, through Dave Mann as well. So, you know, he, he also, you know, made uh, the paper available. We were having struggles with trying to get economic justice, which has been going on for a long time. And he also uh, was very involved in the 1984 and the 88 uh, Jack, Jesse Jackson campaigns as well. Uh, and those are some of the things I remember most about him, that he was always there. You could always count on him. He's always on the right side. Yeah, you know, always on the right side. And you know what? I mean, and that's really what this is about. I mean, it really is about a man who absolutely uh, was on a high character and was on the right side and did what he could for his community. I mean, because we were strangers to Seattle. You know, Seattle is a hard city to break into because it's really for provincial and people, you know, I mean, you don't come to Seattle and just get right in like Flynn, okay? I mean, it's not it's not, it's not, not that way. It takes a little, and he took a chance on us. So, you know, he took a chance on, on some people that come from Santa Barbara, uh, you know, California, and I worked a little bit at Kenny, the Kenny Ellis uh, uh, photography studio, but he took a chance on us. I mean, and, um, and set us up in business and, you know, help us, he helped. You know, he helped us get a leg up in Seattle uh, with Salisbury Beaver, and then he said, pick our name off, take his name off, and it was Salisbury Photography, but he helped us. And, mm. you know, I mean, with, with somebody coming, we didn't have no relatives in Seattle. We just came to Seattle because uh, we wanted to stay on the West Coast, uh, and the utilities rate was low here compared to other places, and you could do free things in Seattle compared to being in Los Angeles. Everything you did for kids, there was nothing free. Well, they had a lot of free things to do to Seattle, and that's why we came to Seattle, because Seattle really was a kid's place. I mean, you know, when we came here, there was a lot of things to do for Seattle, with kids and families and stuff. So, And so we had no relatives here. So Mr. Beaver, uh, he was like, he, he became family for us because we had no relatives here. Well, Seattle has really changed since the time you got here. Uh, right now, <laughs> uh, if black people came from somewhere else and thought they could go down to Martin Luther King Jr. way and find us, uh, especially around Madison Street, uh, they would be uh, really in for a shock. Uh, as a matter of fact, about uh, four years ago, a, a gentleman was working for BuzzFeed News, uh, uh, and I think it was his name, but we rode up and down the street. He couldn't believe it. And uh, But, you know, that's, that's uh, Seattle, Seattle has changed, and uh, uh, 23 years of out-of-primitive action, in Washington State, cost us the central area of it Seattle. Uh, there's just no way around it. It did, it did, and it was it was deliberate. It's deliberate, but you know, I mean, I always go back and try to tell people that you know, we told them about we can see. We told them that it was the vanguard of our of our, of our, of gentrification, and we told them that even if you're living in a box in Seattle, you needed to organize. And uh, as Representative Jesse uh, Johnson just said early on. Is that 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 intense pressure that was on last year? What people do is back off. But one thing about the other side, I'm not going to call their names. They don't back off. They keep at it, and so we have to keep up the pressure uh, and not go home and sit on the sofa. We have to keep it, and you've been doing this for years. If you keep keeping it on, but that's how that's what that's what this so-called democracy is like. You got to keep at it. Otherwise, you'd be like the other places where, where they just tell you to go home and stay there and you can't do nothing. So it is, it is constantly working. I mean, and that's what the system is. Or we can be like it is in all other places where 
you just get to be told what to do and then you can't do nothing about it. Reverend Harper, Harriet, there's one thing that's happening right now and the folks are, uh, our voting rights are at stake. Right. And right now, uh, they're talking about sending some troops to the Ukraine border yeah, and that's having right. some maneuvers no. in the no. South China Sea. And no. uh, blacks in the military, you over there fighting all those battles and no. your people don't have a right to vote in the United States of America. That's blacks right. in the military need to go on strike for one day right. to protest black folks not having voting rights. And that's something needs to that. happen right I'll away. I mean, it's just ridiculous. We'll have black people all around the world fighting for somebody else's rights, and they don't have the rights right here in the United States of America. Now, blacks in the United States military need to go on strike for one day to say, we don't have, we can't, we can't, my people can't vote, we can't fight. Well, and then I agree with that, uh, Eddie, and also we need to just send the Dems a message. Y'all could have delivered this last year. You came in, when you came in, you had momentum. I mean, you had Tracy, uh, uh, Stacey Ingram. You had momentum. You you went on to do all the big tent stuff without delivering the people, not, not, not fixing the vote. I mean, Congressman, they, Cleaver, Congressman Cleaver reminded me of one thing. The Emancipation Proclamation was not a vote by Congress. It was an executive order. Joseph Biden needs to uh, put forth an executive order uh, mandating uh, voting rights for black folks. If any other group want to go their way, they can go their way. But I want Joe, the President Joe Biden to have an executive order instating in our voting rights. He can do that without mansion and without cinema. He can just go ahead and do it. Uh, 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 Congressman James Clyburn, the black community, did it for him. It's time for him to do it for us. Well, you know, really and truly, I mean, it's like, okay, what are they going to give us, okay? We you know we had all the Democratic governors in, in Washington, and they didn't give us nothing until now. And he, you know, we get get something for us because it's a lawsuit. So what are they going to give us? So I think you're right about that, and I think people should call the White House, start calling the White House hotline, and say, no troops anywhere. You no, you know, no voters' rights, no troops anywhere. I mean, I think we have we have to step up our game. I want to thank you, uh, Mr. Rye. I think we're out of time. <laughs> So, All right. Thank you, Reverend Mary. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you so much. Talk next week. You listen to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. I'll be back next week with a great show. I think we're going to have Miss Cindy Bright on. She's got a, got a fine book out and we'll be talking about it. Thank you so much. Thank you for your support. Thank you, Eric. Yeah.